Lawyers always need to be on top of their game, or at least appear to be. It can feel overwhelming to recognize or admit when we aren't, and even harder to reach out and get help. Welcome to Sidebar, brought to you by North Carolina's Lawyer Assistance Program, where lawyers help lawyers by sharing their experience, strength, and hope as they delve into their personal journeys of recovery. Hey everybody, this is Robin Moradis, the director of the North Carolina Lawyer Assistance Program. Today I'm joined by Warren Savage, a senior claims attorney at Lawyers Mutual, an elected bar counselor, and in that capacity, a recently appointed member to the LAP board. Warren, thanks for being here. Thanks, Robin. I'm really honored to have been recently appointed to the LAP board. It's something I've been very enthusiastic about. Well, and just to reassure folks that no client information is ever shared at a board meeting, that board looks at big policy issues, and there's no conflict of interest with you working at Lawyers Mutual and being on our board, just to make that clear. To start off, can you tell us what do you do in your role as a senior claims attorney at Lawyers Mutual? At core, what I do is primarily help lawyers avoid making mistakes so that they don't get malpractice claims against them. And then if they make a mistake or there is an allegation that they've made a mistake that caused harm to somebody and a claim has been made, then I help either try to resolve that short of litigation or if it goes into litigation to then manage that litigation from the insurance defense perspective as the insurer for that lawyer. But on top of that, I really spend a lot of time just talking to lawyers about what's going on in their practice every day, not even in conjunction with the idea that there is a claim that's made or about to be made. I would say I spend a good quarter to half my time just talking to lawyers about what's going on every day with their practice. I want to tell our listening audience about when we first formally met. We had to schedule a one-hour lunch meeting with the claims staff at Lawyers Mutual to just kind of come together and talk about what we see and the commonalities And that one hour meeting ended up running about four hours long. And it was the beginning of a beautiful friendship. It sure was. (laughs) It led to a CLE entitled Getting By with a Little Help from Our Friends. So you and I presented that CLE multiple times. And in that presentation, you opened with a story about a lawyer who had a claim against him, a claim you really considered to be frivolous, given your experience and what you've seen. Can you tell us what happened there? Yeah, Robin. So I've been here for, what, 17 years now, Lawyers Mutual, and I came out of a litigation background. So I was used to sort of the rough and tumble of the litigation world, right? So I know that parties and their attorneys in litigation throw around all kinds of outlandish stuff sometimes, thinking that they're puffing out their chest and making their position a lot better. Well, The lawyer that I was helping in this case was tax attorney who was not conversant with that world and had been accused by the IRS of doing something that, frankly, he just didn't do. And there was nothing that I felt to it. But given that it was the IRS that was bringing the claim, it was going to be expensive and we had to hire defense counsel. And so this was early on, I guess, Robin, maybe about five years into my time here. I was treating this claim like I treat lots of claims where I don't think there's much substance to it. And I don't really get emotionally invested in it. Let's just say that. And so when the IRS sent a particularly pointed and accusatory letter 
to our defense counsel and to the lawyer accusing him of some pretty over-the-top stuff, I just didn't think much of it, really didn't think much of it at all. And that was on a Thursday. Unbeknownst to me, on a Friday, went into the managing partner for his firm and having read that letter, he had not talked to defense counsel about the implications of that letter. He had not talked to me about the implications of the letter. And he was like apologizing profusely to his managing partner and saying, I'm just afraid I'm going to bring down this whole firm. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And then on Sunday of that weekend, he hanged himself. And the managing partner felt quite certain that while there were many, unbeknownst to me, many mental health issues at play in that lawyer's life at the time that they have helped him navigate through as a firm, thank God for that firm. But I was unaware of that. And the managing partner felt very certain that that IRS letter was really sort of the straw that broke the camel's back. How did that experience change you? I know that malpractice claims are stressful for the person that is facing it. But on the other hand, that was the first time I really got smacked in the face with just how deeply and seriously somebody can take something like that. And it really made me change how I deal with our insureds and have periodic check-ins with them. How things going? What are you thinking? Please be transparent. Talk to me about any anxiety you have about this claim during the course of the case, not just wait for us to send you status letters. It really changed how I feel about this. I can tell you that I am a much better claims attorney now as far as helping our insureds than I was (laughs) before that episode. Sometimes people like coworkers and support staff have indicators that something is really wrong. You mentioned that, thank God for that firm, they had helped that lawyer navigate up until that point. But sometimes people know something's wrong, and for a myriad of reasons, and we talk about some of them at the CLE, people don't take any action to get the person some help, and you have some experience with that. Yeah. Unfortunately, my experience is that sometimes folks at firms that might recognize that there is a lawyer that is experiencing some acute mental stuff at certain times in their life. Instead of trying to help resolve or get that attorney specific help for that problem, instead, they become enablers. They hope the crisis will blow over or resolve itself. They see themselves more in a helping role to try to help him or her get through that episode with the hope that then they can get back on course. So they won't necessarily alert other folks in the firm about what they're seeing. (laughs) I had one specific experience where a paralegal, after the fact, another attorney who had died by suicide threatened to do so two or three times in her presence. Despite the fact that there were other lawyers in that firm, she did not talk to anybody and felt an extreme amount of guilt. Uh, You can imagine the complicated emotion she felt afterwards when this lawyer did ultimately die. I can tell you there are other firms that I've talked to, maybe three or four other firms where a lawyer has died by suicide, where talking to the remaining attorneys or staff, they just can't get over the fact that they were working with that person in the office the day before they died. They've just died of a heart attack 
it would be something different as far as dealing with their emotions than dealing with the suicide. So what advice would you give to someone listening who's maybe working with someone? The person might not know exactly what's wrong, but they know something is wrong. My first call would be to you or Kathy or Nikki, somebody at the lap staff. I call you guys all the time, (laughs) never talking about a specific person, but more about my concerns about how to deal with some conversation I just had with a lawyer that has given me great concern. Maybe some steps I might take or some language I might get from you guys for how to follow up with that lawyer and maybe try to get them some help. That would be my number one. If I was in a firm, and hopefully any firm has a very open atmosphere for reporting issues, regardless of who they're about, just because the lawyer at the top of the totem pole might be the one having issues, that doesn't mean you can't have some system in place to report issues that you might see to others within the firm who might be able to get some help for them. I have reached out to family members of lawyers that I've talked to after getting that lawyer's permission when I've talked to them. I don't do anything without permission there, but have reached out to family members to say, look, here's some resources. I've referred the family members to LAP. And oftentimes, one of the things we do here at Lawyers Mutual is if a lawyer is in a particularly acute moment where he or she may need a break to deal with whatever the issue is that we will hire backup counsel to put your practice in pause and help you get through that period of time so that when you have gotten the help you need and are back on more solid footing, you can step back in and practice again. I think that is something that we are taking up on maybe once or twice a year by certain lawyers who are going through stuff. A lot of times that's health issues. I was going to say, sometimes it's not mental health. It could be just physical health, something, cancer, a heart issue, something like that. Or issues with their family. They got a sick spouse or sick child. They just can't concentrate on work. That sort of program is there to help folks in all kinds of situations. Yeah. To prevent claims from happening. Yeah, obviously it's in our interest to uh, to not have to pay out claims and claims can happen in all kinds of circumstances, not just negligence. Well, circling back to that first meeting that we had with you, I'll never forget, Kathy made some observations that sometimes lawyers don't want to take responsibility for making an actual choice to leave the practice of law. So they engage in what we call self-sabotage or self-sabotaging behaviors. And as she was talking Y'all's mouths dropped open. It was like a eureka moment because it explained so much behavior that up until that time you hadn't been able to really explain. What are some of the self-sabotaging behaviors that you've seen when you're representing a lawyer in a claims process? At the extreme, things like they just throw away their mail without even opening it. That has happened multiple times. But as I approach 60, I have seen a whole series of gentlemen of my particular age who have reached a point in their careers where all of a sudden, within a calendar year, will report to me, I missed five, six, eight statutes of limitations this year, and I need to report them all to you at one time. I don't know how to explain that. I know in at least a couple of the cases, those were substance abuse issues. I don't think that there is any specific demographic that's more likely to have some of these red flags because I've seen it all ages, genders, races, 
practice settings. And I'm sure you have too, Robin. Mm -hmm. Well, back to the self-sabotage, we see things like not opening mail. It's not because they're incapable of opening mail. It's like an avoidance. Yes. Lawyers refuse to follow any of your directions. Very simple instructions that you give them to avoid future claims or future problems. They ignore the instruction completely. (laughs) Yeah. I just want to say to whoever might be listening that if you're thinking about getting out of law, there are ways to do it that are less burdensome and less costly to you, your family, your clients. And it is a psychological mechanism for kind of in a way playing the victim and not having to take responsibility. Right, right. And I think folks sometimes can get so overwhelmed that they feel like taking one tiny step will require them to take lots of more steps. And they're just afraid to even take that first tiny step to start to make things better. That can be frustrating, obviously, from my perspective, because if I'm just dealing with you on one specific claim, I just need you to do that tiny step (laughs) to get something fixed. (laughs) What have you discovered or learned about the lawyer assistance program that you did not know years ago? When I first talked to you heart to heart, Robin, it was because of things that were going on, not necessarily with me, but folks in my family. And when you told me that LAP helps lawyers like me who are dealing with other people's problems, that was an eye opener for me. That was the first time I really recognized that LAP was so much broader than just dealing with alcoholism and maybe even a few drug issues. It is so much broader than that. My own mental health and everybody's mental health. And I think if I remember from the last time we did our program, Robin, I think you may have said that as much as half or more folks that are not dealing necessarily with substance abuse issues, but are dealing with mental health issues. More than 50%. See, I would have never known that if I hadn't gotten involved and talked to you. And it really means so much to me because I think that makes this program so much more universal and so much more important to the practice of law and to the well-being of lawyers who are trying to help their clients. (laughs) Well, you're not wrong in terms of how LAPS started. Back in the 70s, it was basically an impaired lawyers commission that was focused on alcoholism solely. But in the mid-1990s, we expanded the mission and the reach, and it's just grown as a broad brush program. And there's the misperception that we only help a very tiny percentage of the bar, where we've helped about 15% of the licensed bar since our inception in the 1970s. But our mission has expanded and grown. So if you came up, During the era of our previous iteration, which was known as PALS, it was focused only on alcoholism. But then we developed the Friends Program. And then when I came in in 2011, I rebranded with a new logo and I got rid of those old acronyms and made it just a universal lawyer assistance program. And many lawyer assistance programs are changing their names to judges and lawyers assistance programs because of course we help judges as well and we do as well right i just can't bear the thought of rebranding again (laughs) no i hear you so that makes me think of something about the expansion of the lap it makes sense i teach a ton of ethics classes and we bring it up in that getting by with a little help of our friends program 
So we as lawyers who are practicing with other lawyers, we have management fiduciary duties to our firms and our clients to make sure that those clients are taken care of, regardless of whether a lawyer is suffering from substance abuse, mental health issues, cognitive issues, anything. We can't stand by and ignore things and hope they get better, thinking, I don't have any duty to help out that fellow lawyer in my firm. You do. And that makes sense that there's specific ethics opinion discussing the scope of that duty. And it says very bluntly that this applies whether the problem that the attorney is dealing with is a mental health issue, a substance abuse issue, or a cognitive decline issue. So it really makes sense that the LAP program is expanding to help us help each other through all kinds of things. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you think we should discuss? Well, the one thing I wanted to say, having had a very emotional response to a lawyer who died by suicide recently is I knew that lawyer through lawyers who knew her. A lot of people knew her personally. And yeah. yeah, she had deep ties to North Carolina, even though she was living in New York. Yeah. I've also since that time, I think learned of another lawyer who died by suicide. And even though I may not have ever met you, the fact that I know people who know you, I know your reputation, or even after the fact, I find out that you're in my community of lawyers in North Carolina. It really means something to me and it hurts. And the folks that are willing to stay, please recognize that it means something to me and I may not have ever talked to you in your whole life. I appreciate it. And I appreciate that you are out there making it to the next day. I applaud you and urge you to talk to Robin, me. I talk to a ton of lawyers, Robin, about stuff that's just bothering them that has nothing to do with law. I'm not a professional, but I can certainly be an ear to listen to and talk to and help you get to tomorrow. The thing that was most telling to me is the statement that came out from her mother that she had struggled with depression for years and hid it from everyone. The thing is, it's like if you stop hiding it and get some help, it doesn't have to go that way. Right. That's the takeaway to me is that it doesn't have to go that way. Yeah. It's really a, a travesty. Everybody was very rocked by that incident, for sure. So disheartening and sad. Yeah. Well, Warren, I always appreciate our conversations. They're very introspective. Thanks for being with us here today. Thanks, Robin. It was great. Thank you for joining us at the Sidebar. If this is your first time, we encourage you to listen to another episode or two, subscribe to our newsletter, and peruse the resources at www.nclap.org. And if you know a lawyer who could use a hand, please share this episode with them today. Remember, at Sidebar, you are not alone. In fact, you are in quite good company.